0: And as you're making your way to a seat and we continue on in the service, um, it is my belief and experience that prayer most often flows um, out out of God's word. As we're in his written word, often he stirs things that causes us to pray in specific ways to receive certain things. And so when we have these times, we want to be able to have time in his word. And I don't always know what that's going to look like. Today, I felt the strong prompting to continue in Luke. And so we're going to continue on in that next section of Luke chapter 6. But not spending as much time in it, not exegeting as much today, but really praying through some things that the Lord has has kind of stirred within me, and I hope he will stir within you as well. We're in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. That's where we left off last time we were together. In these days, those were the days, and by the way, if you need a Bible, I'm sorry, I see the guy standing there. If you need a Bible, just wave at one of our ushers. If you'd like a physical copy of a Bible, just wave at them. You left yours somewhere else and would like to have one. Luke chapter six, verse 12. By the way, you can also use digital versions if you'd like. That's that's allowed. So in these days, days of busyness and ministry really is what it was that Jesus was, his ministry is kicked off and there's a lot of people coming, a lot of things happening. So in the, in the fullness of ministry, he went out to the mountain to pray. I love that even in Isaiah where it talks about this idea of mountain. and and here, Jesus goes to the mountain. Matter of fact, the same word is going to be used a little later in Luke when it talks about him going to a mountain and with Peter, James, and John, and he's transfigured there. And I, the Bible doesn't tell us, but there's some implication that Jesus had regular places where he went to pray. I believe the place we call the Mount of Transfiguration was a regular place that Jesus went It just so happens on one of those occasions when he went there, God did something that was out of the ordinary, and Peter, James, and John got to witness that. So having those regular places to pray, I think, is important, and regular times that we do that. That's part of what I believe God's calling us to with the 631 this year. And he says, he went out, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Now, translators are kind of in disagreement how to translate this. Did he pray all night, or was he in the place of prayer all night? Either way, I I think you get the idea. He's prioritizing this time with the Lord. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. Notice here, there were more disciples than 12. He pulled out of the group of disciples, however many there were, he chose 12. And he chose them to be apostles or sent ones. Now, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, and you'll notice as we go through this, they kind of group them in twos. And I think one of the reasons for that is Jesus is going to send them out in twos. So you have Peter and Andrew, his brother. You have James and John, who are also brothers. You have Philip and Bartholomew. He's also referred, referred to in different places as Nathaniel, same person. Some of these guys have different names that are used in different gospels. Philip and Bartholomew, or Nathaniel. You have Matthew, we also he's called Levi as well, he's the tax collector. Matthew and Thomas. Then you have James, the son of Alphaeus, I believe he's distinguished so that you don't mix him up with James, the brother of Jesus, who also has a significant role in the early church. And Simon, who's called the Zealot, he's different than Simon Peter, Uh, He, as I've pointed out before, he's the terrorist in the group, all right? He's the guy who wants to overthrow Rome by any means necessary. He's a zealot. And Judas, the son of James, he's also in different gospels called Thaddeus. You'll see Thaddeus used. And one of the reasons may be because there's also Judas Iscariot who became a traitor. He didn't start out a traitor. He became a traitor. Um, And so you have Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, but Judas, the son of James, is is also called Thaddeus in in several of the Gospels. So here are the twelve, very different. I'm not going to, we could spend a long time just looking at these guys and, and different things in their life. That's not the point. Here, I was asking the Lord as we were reading through this, like, Lord, how does this have anything to do with prayer? And here's what the Lord stirred in my heart. That... There's a calling on these 12. But there's a calling on us too. And there was a willingness on the part of these 12 to not just hear that calling, but to respond to it. To say yes. We've seen that in some of the stories we've read already in Luke. We've seen what that did in Peter, what that meant in Peter's life, in James and John. We see what it means. We see in Matthew or Levi, the tax collector, we see what this means. But there is this calling. And so today, one of the things that I'm going to ask you to press into as we pray is this sense of calling on your life. You aren't just saved because it's good to go to heaven and not go to hell. You're not saved just so, well, maybe you can get a few extra good things while you live here on this this earth. You and I have a calling, a kingdom calling from God Almighty and purpose for our life. And he's saying, I want you to come and join with me voluntarily. I don't force you. I don't make you do it. I'm inviting you to do it. And one of the reminders of this calling is the Lord's table. You say, well, no, the Lord's table is about his sacrifice for us. It is, absolutely. And that's what we usually highlight the most, is his sacrifice for us. The bread representing his body that was broken for us. The, the, the juice, the fruit of the vine representing his blood, which was poured out for us. Yes, it represents his sacrifice to us. But remember, he took this with his disciples the night before he was crucified. And he said, I'm not going to take it again until I see you in the kingdom. And he says, I want you to share this with me. I wanted to share it with you. I want you to share it with me. We call this communion or common union. In other words, it's not just his sacrifice to us, but it's our willingness to receive that and say, I join with you in your call. I join with you in your purpose. I join with you in your kingdom life. I join with you. It is no, I am no longer my own. I am bought with a price. We've seen that represented. And now I'm joining with you. I'm sacrificing as well. I'm laying down the right to be my own boss and to choose my own path in life. And I'm saying, Lord, where you lead, I will follow, whatever that looks like wherever it takes me. You say, I didn't know we did that when we took the Lord's Supper. I just thought we were remembering that he died for us. We are remembering that, but it is more than just that. It is a participation that you, that you are doing with him. It's a marriage in sort, of sorts. It's a reminder of that. As matter fact, That's one of the pictures that Scripture uses. And so when two people get married, and they're standing at the front, and they both say, I do. One is initiating. In this case, Jesus is initiating. One is initiating, the other is responding. But both have to say, I do. I will. I'm joining with you in this to walk together. So here's what I want to do for a moment. Is I want us to take some time and pray about the and wrestle with this a little bit. Are you willing to again Say, Lord, I want to walk in common union with you. My life is not my own. My resources are not mine. They're ours. The choices that I make aren't mine alone. They're yours and mine together. There is this common union that we have. We've set the Lord's table up differently this morning. We've done this before. If you've been here in the past, we've done this at different times. So here's what I want to tell you, is that from this point forward throughout the rest of the service, you can come at any point and you can take the bread and the cup. You don't have to do it right this minute. You can in just a moment when we begin to pray and music begins to play. You can come and and take it. You can wait a little bit. You may want to press into the Lord. You can come individually and do it. You can come as a family and do it. You can come with others, friends and different ones. But any time to the rest of the service, you can come to any one of these tables. They're all the same, taking the bread and the cup. You don't have to take it back to your seat. You can take it right here. I know they have some trash cans on either side. So after you take the cup, if you do it up here and you want to drop that off, you can. If you want to take it back to your seat and sit there for a moment, you can do that. Um, If mobility is an issue for you, you can enlist somebody to bring it to you. That's okay, too. Um, We don't want to make it inconvenient for anyone. But this morning, I want you to press in with me for a moment. I'm going to ask Lori just to begin to play a little bit, and as she's playing, I want to open up the altar, matter of fact, the altar is open also for this service. If you want to come pray and just kneel before the Lord, you can do that. You say, well, I can pray just fine where I am. Yes, you can. You can pray there. Sometimes the Lord's asking us to take steps and take motion. And there is power in that, the movement of my body in response to what he's doing within. If you come to the front, in all likelihood, we're just going to leave you alone. Someone will probably come up behind you and put their hand on your shoulder and just pray and say, Lord, whatever you're doing in my brother or sister, do more, multiply it. You don't have to tell them a thing. You don't even have to talk to them. If you want to, if somebody lays their hand on your shoulder and you want to invite them to pray with you, you can. You can do that, but you don't have to. They're not expecting it. They're just praying for you, asking God to bless what he's doing and keep doing more. Because again, our goal isn't to get you to connect with us, it's to connect with him. We'll have prayer partners, and we have different ones around. You see them, they're wearing green lanyards. And prayer partners, if you forgot your green lanyard and there's some back there, you might, in a moment here, just grab one and put it on so people can see. You can go to somebody and say, hey, I've got this particular issue. I've got this thing that the enemy keeps telling me this is going to keep me from being able to really walk with Jesus. Let us pray with you about it. I had a dear brother come to me this morning about... A natural situation a natural thing in this in this physical life but it has larger implication and I love the fact that he came and he said would you pray for me because we often think well I just got to figure out the way to solve this and the Lord's saying why don't you start with union with me and then let's see what I will do in and through you and in this situation so we're gonna just take a moment We're going to press in. You can do that again, seated where you are. You can move about. You can come to the altar. You can go to one of our prayer partners. But we're going to take a few minutes. And then, again, you can begin to take this whenever you feel ready and comfortable. You can go to any one of these tables, and you can take the Lord's Supper. All right? Do you understand the direction? Do you understand what I'm encouraging you to do? I'm going to join with you, because I'm not just telling you what to do in my own life. I want there to be greater communion, a common union in my life between the Lord, what He's doing, and my response to that. So let's take some time and do that. Again, you can begin to move now if you need to.